So I want to talk to you about the Lord coming into this world for purpose. He came on purpose. It was intentional. It was, the Bible says, in the fullness of the times, Christ died for the ungodly. Uh, there are verses that underscore his purpose and why. Uh, he came to seek and save that which is lost. He, in Genesis 3, it was foretold in the Garden of Eden by the Father that the head of the serpent would be crushed by the seed of the woman. And Jesus, the son of David, came through this lineage all the way through and was born in perfect time, perfect sequence, and uh, in the fullness of the times. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, and I love this, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest, to destroy the work of the evil one, of the devil. What are the works of the devil? Who is the devil? The devil was an angelic being on the ranks of, of Michael and Gabriel on a super high level in the hierarchy of the angelic hosts. He apparently was the worship leader of heaven. And he gave, his designation was to give praise and honor to God. And at a certain point, God, he, he pivoted from God and he pivoted to himself with pride. Obsessed with himself, the original narcissist. And said, how should somebody as beautiful as me be worshiping when I should be worshiped? This is Luciferic. This is going on all over and over again, repeating itself through humanity all out uh, throughout the annals of time. Jesus, however comes in on the scene, and instead of being selfish and driven by ego, he was selfless, and he was led by God. He said, I only want to do what I see my Father doing. And the Father, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. I, who was rescued by the U.S. Coast Guard, I, who was rescued uh, and brought on a helicopter um, from the, the, the lifeguards, in, at Catalina Island to the Harbor UCLA Hospital, I who came in in critical condition and was uh, uh, addressed by a whole team of professionals and very grateful to have been rescued. I'm grateful the last service, the doctor that was responsible to make sure my wife got in the hospital when she had her appendix burst years ago. We were in Florida. She flew all the way home just trying to just shake it off, you know. She's, she's a tough woman. And uh, even at home, she was starting to slip into a coma, threatening renal failure. And the doctor made her go to the hospital to the saving of her life. He was here this morning. And uh, she didn't know what it was. She didn't know what her condition was. She just thought she had a stomach ache. But, you know, he knew, he, this, he listened with his, his critical thinking and his skills. And he said, you, you got to go to the hospital. I, I who have been, have, has anyone ever been rescued? It's a big deal when you're rescued. I, when, you, when I see, my heart warms when I see paramedics and people, you know, using the jaws of life to pull people out of the, the situations. I, I, I go to the hospitals routinely and visits, and I think I see people, um, you know, save people. And, uh, but I want to tell you, 50 years ago when I got saved, that was a rescue. I, I, you know, well, but the literal rescue and the helicopter and all, no, the, be, to be saved from the consequences of my sin uh, it makes me happy. And in John 10, 10, it's so powerful, you guys. By the way, good morning. You having fun in church? <laughs> All right. My name is Pastor Jeff, and I'm happy you're here. Listen to this. I'm going to preach. My goal by the end of the service is that you get a breakthrough from whatever is ailing you. 
that for physical healing, mental oppression, breaches in your relationships, uh, ravages over your finances, uh, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Is that superficial? No, it's deep as anything. Look what it says in John 10.10. Jesus makes a contrast. The thief, the Lucifer, this fallen angel, who took one-third of the angels with him. Now, that means we, are out, that we have two-thirds of the good angels that have been that taken care of you, and we're going to judge the angels, and your angels, they probably are running, you know, they have slings and, you know, black eyes and... Chip teeth, like this is this is the hardest assignment I've ever had in, in eternity. You know, that's I know is uh, my angel's going to be like. <laughs> but anyway, the thief, the devil, Lucifer, Satan comes only for three things: to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, "I came that they may have life and have it abundantly." Say, abundant life. This is clear. The, the devil is a diminishing being. Jesus brings restoration. In Joel's uh, prophecy, the Hebrew prophet Joel, in chapter 2, verse 25, something powerful is stated about the work that Jesus would ultimately do on the earth. He's forecasting when the Messiah comes, the Redeemer, the Deliverer, and the Rescuer. And he says that... that uh, he says, then I will make up to you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the creeping locust, the stripping locust, the gnawing locust. See, the, the, the Lord is a, is a redeemer, and he's going to make up to us, he said. The King James says it a little differently. He says, I will restore unto you. And I love the word restore, restoration. There's a company called Restoration Hardware. And uh, when, when we were on vacation, I we bought an old 1924 farmhouse that got us into Chesterfield back in 1987. And uh, we rehabbed it while we lived there. We had Thanksgiving at our house, and we did the dishes in the bathroom sink, which was the only sink that had plumbing because the kitchen was gutted. We, we, put, we put sawhorses and a 4 by 8 plywood uh, and, a t and a tablecloth, and we sat down in lawn chairs, and we brought our families in together, and that's how my wife has had to endure so many of the uh, pioneer things that we've ended up doing. And, uh, but we brought it back. The, the floors were sinking, and we had to go underneath and use uh, floor jacks to jack the floor back up. You know, we, we put up fret, we took out a wall and put up an I-beam and, and so we could open up one of the rooms. It was all sectioned off. We needed to modernize it a little bit. And we made uh, two bedrooms out of one upstairs so that the kids could have their own rooms until we kept multiplying. And then we had to, we had to, we only had two. We ended up with four. I, I don't know how that happened. But anyway, it was cool. But when we were on vacation this year, um, our kids stumbled on a French person on a, uh, a YouTube channel that um, does restorations. And he takes, like, old toys or old, like, um, you know, 1890s kinds of, uh, uh, like, like, one thing was like this special uh, cheese cutter from a countertop at a delicatessen from back in the 1890s, and it, it had just been in, 
you know, just rusted and ruined and, um, you know, little kid piano. And, t- and, 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 and so we, we geeked out and watched these shows. She didn't. She, was, she didn't want to watch these shows. But, but, but um, we, we just with, were fascinated. Don't you love to see old things made new? I mean, it, it, we're, we're in such a throwaway society and everything's made out of plastic. But this guy, you know, he's celebrating... And, and what's beautiful about it is he'll take it apart and then he'll dip it in certain chemicals and he'll try to get the rust off of it. He'll, he'll sandblast it. I mean, he's got a lot of equipment and it's really fat. He's very skilled. His hands are, you know, gifted. But like, but like this was a, a lamp and, uh, you know, you can see him up on top. It's all rusted and it doesn't work and the electronics is all messed up, it would be messed up. But then he takes it and he, he powder coats it and he... He sands it. He makes it just so nice. He even takes the screws and the ones that are, are totally rotted, and he'll go to his lathe and create screws, and he makes them specific like they were before. Uh, that The little kid's piano that was just trashed, and look, he turned it into a treasure. And, um, I, you know, I just, that the, here's the old choo-choo train, and, and uh, you know, some of you think, well, hey, look, man, I, I worked hard to earn this patina, you know, but... <laughs> I think it's just, it's just something the Lord said would be a characteristic of his work and his ministry in the earth, that he, will, he is, has come to seek and save that which is lost. Johnny, can you come up here with your wife? Um, th- this is a testimony right out of your ranks about God restoring things and patience and faith. And I, I, I just, they just told me this. We've been on an ongoing, come on up here and just tell, introduce yourselves and just tell us your, your story of what just happened about, and I think it's restoration. So my name's Johnny Lamb. This is my wife, Joy. Uh, I apologize. I'm missing a button. I did not know this was going to happen this morning. Um, <laughs> is it, was it from you flexing? So, well, probably. Yeah. Probably. Um, so my wife and I have been very... I'm sorry, so my wife and I have hardcore been believing for a long time for a house for our family. We took a leap of faith and registered our kids in an elementary school. Holy cow, I can't even get this started. All right, here we go. You're so, good. You're doing great. So we took a leap of faith and registered our kids in the school district thinking, oh, we're, we'll sell our house in a couple of months. We'll find one and be able to move in so our kids can be in this great district and have this community. My br- brother lives there, everything. Uh, two and a half years went by. And we're living with my mom, which my mom, as if anybody knows her, is a complete saint. She's wonderful. She has she four is now. kids living with her. Exactly. Um, so we were there, but it, it's hard when it's not your house, when you're trying to raise four kids, one whom was a newborn when we moved in and is now two and a half. Um, so it was, it was a difficult, it was a trying time. And I woke up, and the first 20 minutes of every day was spent trying not to be a failure who couldn't provide a house for my family. And so I would, every morning, just be in the Bible and just studying things, talking with Dave Moore, uh, talking and praying with so many people at this church, really sustained me through that. One of my mentors, Mr. Friesmeyer, uh, I finally sat down and chatted with him. This was about two years in. And I said, what do I need to do? I mean, we are believing in faith. We are standing on God's promises. We know that this is ours. And he said, you have to continue to stand. And I mean, I was ready to close the door and leave when he said that to me. But 
I let that sink in, and, and it was something that you really do. You just have to keep going. There's no way around that. God will sustain you. So, and guys, this is to the point where, like, I was, I felt like I was a failure. I will let my wife talk at some point. I apologize. Um, I, I just felt like a failure, not where I felt like, oh, my sin is keeping me from this, but Satan was just telling me, you're, you're a choke artist. You, you can't get anything done right. Like, everything you've tried has failed and all this stuff. And this was after being laid off for nine months, uh, God providing the right job. And so um, my, my boss just last week uh, submitted for me to have a promotion. Uh, so praise God. Restoration. Um, so then we also closed on a house on Wednesday. So, and it just, it, I, I mean, we've had Wait, so the loudest shout came from his mother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> or, your, or your mom, yeah, your mom. So then uh, we just, everything, just every, so many things that we'd been praying for came to happen in this house. And my wife just stood by me the whole time. And we would wake up knowing over the past two and a half years, we were just like, thank God. There is not strife between us wow. during this. And we would we recognize that's that a big deal. That yeah. That's a big deal. That's the important yes. Wow. Is when that trial and when you're walking through it in a two and a half year trial like this was it was hard and long, but oh praise God that we we stuck through it. We kept the faith and just guys, I want to explain to you, coming to this church helped us during this time. I I, I Pastor Jeff, his sermons. When I was unemployed for nine months, he was ta- he pro- he preached about breakthrough. This must have been about three years ago, but it was breakthrough was the sermons, and I just had to listen to these sermons. Like this breakthrough is going to be mine, yeah, and just standing on that. And then guys, so we we come into church, and again, I told you every morning I wake up feeling like I was a failure, like I couldn't provide. And Chelsea was preaching one Sunday, and she literally got up at the 9.30. She said, hey, I have a completely different sermon than what I had at the 8 o'clock. And she showed me her notes and everything. And, like, after this, Mr. Friesmeyer came up, and he said, you realize that was directly for you, right? (laughs) And I was like, I do, I do. So I went and talked to Chelsea after, and she gave me her notes, and those notes are sitting at my desk, and I look at them every day. Wow, beautiful. And it was about who you are in Christ. It was about you're not not a failure. You are. And, And Dave Moore, when we were praying together, he said, you're already in the promised land, man. You're already there. You yeah. just have to get there. And guys, when you're fight. unemployed for nine months, when you can't provide a house, it will affect you. And if you don't combat that with the word, if you don't combat that with prayer and praise and connecting with people who have that like mind of praying for you and loving you, it just it made all the difference wow. uh, for us. Wow. And it's just amazing. I want to brag on my wife first. Just one more second. I don't blame you, um, man. She's she's so, the champion here. So we're we're two and a half years in at this, and my wife is literally scouting the neighborhood, just driving around looking for people fixing up houses. I mean, looking for dumpsters, anything. She found a dumpster. She found somebody working. Uh, she goes, "Hey, do you know the owner of this house?" We're like, "Oh yeah, he's inside." So she's like, "Okay." So then she she grabs our baby. A baby being in the situation is not going to hurt things when having the conversations. <laughs> So she goes and talks to the owner, and she's like, hey. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're fixing up this house. Here's what we're going to do. We're here, we just finished out the first level. We're going to finish the basement, add a deck. And my wife just said, what if you don't do that, and you just sold us to us right now? And he said, okay. And so within, t- within, t- within 20 minutes of this happening, I'm in the house, and now we're looking at everything, and we're like, okay, this is great, guys. This was three weeks ago. Wow. And now we own it. Thank you, Jesus. So it was, yeah. So- not my wife, Joy. He, he covered it so well. I'm so thankful. I'm humbled. And 
through all of this, our prayer has been that at the end, because we knew, we knew that God would provide. We, we want it to be a testament to God's glory and, and the house to be used for our family and reaching just for the kingdom. But I want the testimony to follow the story and, and be the, the root and, and the end. And, and thank you for, for listening, because when we tell people about the house, we want to be truly telling them about God's provision. So. Thank you. Wow. Hallelujah. Congratulations, you guys. Congratulations. I love it. They got a new house. They get to rehab it. That's a testimony right out of right now about how the Lord wants to bring restoration. And that was a two and a half year protracted challenge. And I, Johnny said some key things. Like, they stayed out of strife. They fortunately landed in a loving environment that was not just tolerant, but was supportive, which we all need each other. And they made, they made a point that's going to be made in Matthew chapter 12, verse 8, that uh, actually Woody Allen said, he's, he's, a, he's a, an avowed atheist. You know, I saw him in an argument with, John, with Billy Graham back in the 60s, and there's an interview of him debating with Billy Graham. <laughs> His dry Jewish humor was so funny, but Billy was like trying to get right to Woody, you know. And uh, he said, "Showing up is 90% of the of the deal. You just just showing up." And um, I want to tell you the the we would never have known about the story of the leper that was healed in Matthew 8 had he not shown up in the presence of Jesus and implored him for his help. We would never have heard of the centurion whose servant got healed uh, unless he had been there and he, had, he, had, he showed up. And um, I, I uh, just shared this, that my wife and I, as we do on Saturdays, we pray a long time here. And we were outside under the uh, canopy because the air conditioning froze our elbows. So we went outside and uh, we were praying. And uh, God dropped one of the church members in our heart. We began to pray for her and lift her up. And... Um, and so then the next day, Sunday, I was out saying hi to everybody on the patio, and she walked right up to me. And she walked right up to me right where I was at the patio. I could use my vision, and I could look at her, and I could see where I had been sitting, where my wife and I were prompted by the Holy Spirit to pray for her. And it was, it was we know some of her story, and God just downloaded how much he loved her and, and wanted us to lift her up in prayer. And, and she said she's been watching on live stream, and she said, that's really good. But she said, why don't I get in my car and come to church? And, um, and I, I really, I think this is a key to breakthrough. You know, I had that word about breakthrough, and I preached on breakthrough, I think, 72,000 times. And then uh, Jean Abney said to me after, at the end of the year, she said, Pastor Jeff, I think we're still going to have breakthrough. And I agreed with her. I thought that was a prophetic word from her. So we've kept that banner up. Everybody say Breakthrough. And see, but the key to breakthrough is Jesus and being in his presence with him. And in his presence, the, 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 in proximity is important. Position matters. Be, being, being with him, connected. The Bible says, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And so this is so key. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 12. And we're, I just I want to make sure I get this done in a... Just if you give me about 15 minutes, I, I, I know that there, the ice cream truck cometh. 
And uh, I want to make sure you guys have that. So I, we need social time. We need fellowship. You know, let me say something about COVID-19. I hated it. I hate it. I hate sickness. My view is that sickness is of the devil. It's the result of the fall of man. So people can figure out where it came from, whether it was a wet uh, market or whether it was a Wuhan, all the, you know, all the conspiracy, all the stuff, whatever. It gets down to this. Uh, Jesus came to heal the sick. And sickness is of the devil. The way I know that is because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil does. And Acts chapter 10, verse 38, when Peter was preaching, he said, You know Jesus of Nazareth, how God empowered, anointed, sent him for restoration purposes. And he was anointed with power, and, 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 uh, and he went about doing good and healing all that God had put sickness on to teach them something. No, that God, God uh, wanted, uh, allowed sickness on the earth just to make people sick and miserable so he could just teach them about their sins. No, the, 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 he healed all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. God was with him on that. God would have said, don't heal the sick, Jesus, because I want them sick. No, he said, go heal the sick because I want them healthy. Get them saved. Don't let them go to hell. I want them to go to heaven. You take their sin on the cross and take it, you take it on the chin for humanity. That's what Jesus did, right? So that was the conviction that Johnny and his wife carried through their battle. And, and, I, and I want to I bring something here. Ken and Debbie Bauer are here. Debbie Bauer made a statement to me because I feel like COVID, the devil meant it for harm, but God turned it around for good. For me, in the case as a pastor, it's brought definition to the church. It's, it's built muscles in us. And it's tried to divide us, but it's also, as a pastor, it's shown me uh, what, exactly what the Holy Spirit showed me would happen. People would come and go, but yet it would refine and show who the core is and how we could get to the next level. Because what we're called to as a local church is going to be big in this next season. But, but Debbie Bauer made a point about that how we all hated COVID and being distant from each other, everything being shut down, small businesses being ruined. I mean, it just goes on and on. And then not to mention how many people died from it. I mean, Virginia Armstrong, people like that, that just, you know, it, 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 I hate the devil. But, but let, let me just tell you that Ken and Debbie are mighty in this church, and one of their beautiful sons got hit with a, an infection that just attacked his body. His heart was almost out. His kidneys went, almost went out. His, his lungs got so, so severely uh, uh, messed up, so much infection, that the, the Barnes uh, transplant people, the, the like world-famous premier, couldn't even, uh, he didn't fit the criteria. Um, Jessica has had two uh, lung transplants, so she really, I, she's been a tag team believer. Stand up, Jessica. She's come through uh, amazing stuff. And God has been so good to her. But listen to what Debbie Bauer had to say about her take on this situation for well, Davey. Anyway, we had, in the natural, there was no hope. Um, they, everybody just gave up on him. But during COVID, there was a doctor who started helping people who, were, who had, um, were so messed up in their lungs, and he started doing lung transplants. Now, this was COVID that was really bad. But you'll never, ever hear, hear me um, gripe about that again, because um, when nobody else would take Davy, they took him. And this doctor 
went in and this doctor who learned this through COVID, helping people, went in and removed his lungs ahead of time. He was like two days without lungs. And um, then they did a transplant on him, like he's already a week into it. And from what he learned during that hard time that was to like a destroying time, um, it brought, if that wouldn't have happened, my son wouldn't have lungs. So I'm giving all the glory to God because even the fact that we even got directed to him is if, if you went through the whole thing, it's just a miracle. Hallelujah. And so when he's talking about restoration, God did that for us physically, but then he's going to do that for all of you too. Amen. If you just trust him. Amen. So Dr. Barat, Dr. Barat, she said he looks like one of her kids. He's a young guy, and he, he was forced in his practice when people were being ravaged by infection that to do transplants anyway. And so it's precedent setting. So what the enemy meant for harm, God turned around for good. In fact, there is another case uh, earlier on where a husband and wife both had uh, stage four lung cancer and he, he did a work on them. What he learned through the COVID, the, they, the, the team of doctors and, and uh, people, got, they got tears in their eyes watching. Some of this is unprecedented stuff. Say this with me. What the devil means for harm, God turns around for good. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. How many of you love the Lord? How many of you are called according to his purpose? How many of you are in, a, in position to receive some restoration? Well, like what Johnny said, you have to show up. Matthew chapter 12, verse 8. I have so many verses, like Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down to green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. You may not need a new house. You may not need a new set of lungs. You may just need to get your joy back. But in, in Psalm 51, 12, when David was repenting of the most profound evil he had ever done with killing Uriah and taking his wife Bathsheba. And in his moment of repentance, he said, Lord, would you please do me a favor and restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit? He says, oh, what will happen then after that is that I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. There is a good outcome. We're still talking about how God was merciful to David. Who in here is grateful for that example in the Bible? Look at this one in Matthew chapter 12, verse 8. Jesus was preaching, and the religious people were upset because he was doing work on the Sabbath. And he said, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So he, that was a mic drop. Just deal with it, you religious guys. I'm, you know. And then departing from there, he went into their synagogue, and a man was who was a man was there. Everybody say a man was there. Man there. I'm telling you that is a big deal going forward. The Bible says to draw near to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. 
The devil, Lucifer, Satan, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, does not want you and me in the prayer closet. He does not want you and me having personal solitude with him. He wants to keep us busy and distracted. Weapons of mass distraction are aimed at us right now. But we as the redeemed have got to fight for this. And, it, you know, I appreciate the convenience of live stream, and I'm really glad we're able to reach because we're reaching nations now. People are calling us from England and all over the world. God has opened up a door to the nations. But it's not so we'll just stay home in our pajamas and not show up. This guy, it doesn't say there was a man who stayed home in his footy pajamas. It says, he says, a man was there whose hand was withered. Now, it wasn't a guy who needed lungs because of an infection and a, and a pneumonia attack on his lungs. It wasn't a guy who sold his house and then it was such a long delay that just tried his faith and patience, his family. But this guy, his hand was withered. And this speaks to me because our hands are so important. Um, we pick things up with it. We, we work with it. You know, the Bible says whatever we put our hand to will prosper. The Bible says if you put your hand to the plow, like a, 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 the, the metaphor of a plow in the gospel, and, and uh, you know, don't look back. And um, we're, we are pressing forward in this, right? And, and, and so this guy's hand was withered, and they began questioning Jesus. They, you know, these religious people put two and two together, and they've got this ambush journalism, and they're trying to catch him in his words. And uh, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might bring charges against him? So I love how Jesus answers questions with questions. So he goes, hmm, because he knows the hearts of people. But he said to them, what man is there among you who has a sheep, which all of them were farmers and shepherds and so forth. And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out. Yeah, it got quiet at that point because that's what they would do. He's, and I want to tell you, you got to get a hold of this because Johnny was hassled by this. How much more valuable than, than is a person than a sheep? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? I remember Matthew chapter 6, two, six chapters earlier. He said, consider the birds, how they neither sow nor reap. You know, I've been going to the bird place, and they hustled me into buying a membership, you know, and I saved $7.43 on the $5.8 million worth of bags of, of, of seed. I, I mean, I said out loud in the, while I was buying it, and I was feeling the sticker shock of filling my bird feeder, I sure hope these birds appreciate this. And the other a customer went, ha, 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 which I thought was a good joke. But anyway, it's not a joke that three baby raccoons and a multitude of tree rats, better known as squirrels, have completely, yeah. So let's get back to the birds. Before those animals found the seeds, Red Cardinal and his wife came. The Red Cardinal got seed. The, the, the baby, the wife, his baby, was over on the, on the bench, the, part, the, the bench we have back there. He flew over, dumped some seeds out of his beak. She ate him. Super romance. <laughs> we have a bluebird house that Steve uh, uh, Sossman gave me, and I put it in there, and now we have five uh, hatchlings 
And we've got a mother and father. The mother and father both feed them. And because we have a feeder over there before the raccoons got it, uh, they'd go over there, get the seeds. They'd look over at me. And, re- and you could read their lips. Bluebirds have lips. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. <laughs> so then they fly back over. But now the, the, the Bible says, look at the birds. Look at the birds. They're not going and spending you know, $60 for hullless sunflower seeds in a bag that actually isn't that big after all. I am. And your your heavenly father's feeding them through me, you know, through us, right? And uh, he says, how aren't you, how much more worth, are you not worth much more than they? This is something Satan is trying to steal from us. You got to understand, get a revelation of how much God loves you, how often he's moved to protect you, how even during the times when you were cold toward him, he was white hot toward you. The times you sinned and you thought you were totally alienated and separated from him, but because and due to the fact that Jesus shed his blood, he enables us to be able to come back to him again and again. Read Psalm 51. Read how David repented. Read how he asked God for restoration. And look at this guy. He says, this withered hand, whatever it is that's hindered you, and I've only got just a moment now, so we're finishing here right now with this. How much more valuable than this person is this person than a sheep? So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And this is what I love about the guy. Two things. He showed up and he did what Jesus said to do. It gets down to just being faithful to be, just stay with the Lord in this thing. Johnny and his wife had to stay with the Lord on this thing. The Bowers just had to stay with the Lord on this thing. We have to stay with the Lord on this thing through COVID, through shutdowns, through the stupid division in this country and the, the politicized charging and all the, 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 the stuff that's trying to happen. We as the church are responsible to walk in love because by this shall all men know that we're his disciples, that we love one another. And that's what we're called to do. This guy did what Jesus said. He stretched forth his hand. Now, he didn't say stretch forth your arm because he could have done that and pulled back a withered hand. He, he had to do something he's never done before. He stretched in his faith and he stretched out his hand and he stretched it out and it was what? Restored to normal like the other I serve a God that restores the years the locust has eaten. I so believe this, that it's helped me get through times of depression, self-loathing, feeling bad about myself. This, This truth about how much God loves you, we all need it. But you grow up with a semi drunk mom who critically tells you at four, five, six years old, over and over again, harsh things. Then in the ministry tells you you shouldn't, the, the stuff that would just undermine you. I'm not mad at her. I love her and forgive her. She's in heaven. And when I get there, there won't be any of this there. There'll be no regret. All that stuff is all covered by the blood of Jesus. So heaven will actually be great. But you know what? God, you are worth much more than they. You're worth more than those birds. And I have spent a lot of money on those, on those birds. You're worth more than the sheep. Jesus would leave 99 sheep to go get one sheep, right? So let's all stand up on our feet. Whatever it is that's withered in your life, stretch it forth to the Lord. If it's your walk with God, ask God to bring fresh fire into your spirit, fresh enthusiasm into your walk. 
If like Patsy and me, you're in a, in a, years ago we were in a time where uh, we had coldness toward each other. We went through hardship together in our marriage. We didn't, you know, it was a hard season. We had a few of those actually. And God continually helped us through, even through today, in today's context. He helps us to figure out how to flow and how to manage and crucify selfishness, right? But I want you to stretch forth both hands toward heaven and say this with me. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Because a merry heart does good like a medicine, I embrace joy in my life. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Teach me how to fight the good fight of faith. Having done all to stand, I stand for my household, for my finances, for my physical health, for my neighbors, for my country, for this generation. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Amen. God bless you guys.